this week in Baby Quest, we get to meet Helen. Baby Quest, my name is Mike. I'm Leah. Hi, Leah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. We have a special guest with us today. We do? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Who? We have Katie. That? Who's Katie? Katie's our friend that we met at Roger Nielsen House. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mike and Leah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here. Welcome to professional We're... podcasting. Oh, boy. Real audio. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, lots of uh, money involved. <laughs> so much money involved. This is a very lucrative opportunity for you. No. This is uh, quite the setup you have. <laughs> it yeah. definitely is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, we got the Zoom call working. It only took like 10 minutes. Uh, that was all on our end. 100% our, our fault. End, on our, our fault, our end. But we're all here and we're going to have a really cool and good uh, and fun and interesting an educational and wow. emotional You're and packing beautiful. You're a lot into this episode. Okay. Yeah, no, no pressure whatsoever. Way to manage expectations. No pressure, Katie, but <laughs> you're going to make this the best episode that we've ever had by a lot. No pressure at all. Yeah, none. So, yeah. So what's going on? How do we know Katie? Yeah. Well, we met Katie at our bereavement group at Roger Nielsen House. Mm-hmm. And she made me cry in the first session we ever had and as like a person who does not like public crying I was like oh boy this is gonna be a rough eight weeks for me if this is what every session is like yeah (laughs) so my first memory of Leah and Mike is from that first session at Roger Nielsen house and we sat in a circle Mm -hmm. and the first night each of us had the opportunity to share a little bit about our stories And the way things were moving around in the circle, our story came, Helen's story came before Eliza's story. And you were, I think one, there was one couple that was sitting in between Mm. Brian and I and you and Mike. And as we were telling the story, as I was getting to some of the emotional parts, I would hear this squawking from (laughs) the couple over or this gasping at all of the really emotional parts and I thought, oh, I, <laughs> I think they might have a similar story. But sure enough, as you guys told your story, I think I probably was the one squawking and gasping at all your really emotional parts because it's bizarre, I think, how closely our stories mirror each other. Yeah, yeah. And Carol, our wonderful social worker, did kind of like warn us like, oh, you two, like your stories are very similar. And I was like, oh, okay, they've... Did she warn us before? I I think because at the end of the first session, we hadn't had a chance to tell Eliza's story yet. And so we had like heard Helen's story, but we hadn't gotten to Eliza's story yet. And so Carol was like, well, your stories are very similar. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. Jeez, Carol. (laughs) Yeah, and it was interesting because everybody's, we're hearing all these different stories and everybody's like so different. And 
all these different extremely varied experiences that everyone was having and then it was like we heard our own story almost yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah, like, like basically like almost like word for word I was like yep that happened oh yep that all yeah, oh yep yeah, okay and I think for me I ni- for some reason naively thought or maybe didn't think at all going into it I just kind of assumed that a lot of the stories would sound the same. I think Mm. because so little conversation happens around perinatal and infant loss. I just kind of assumed a lot of the stories would be similar. And I was was very wrong. Every story (laughs) of the circle was so different and unique and dramatic in its own way that I I didn't appreciate how, um, how interesting or unique it would be to have somebody whose story mirrors yours so closely and how this sounds like a weird thing to say, but how beneficial it was to have somebody who, who not only understood perinatal loss, but understood all of the the key moments in that story in a, in a similar way. I definitely think if you guys had not been in the group, I wouldn't have felt as comfortable because everybody else's story was, so different from our experiences that I think I would have felt like, like, how how did my baby just die? Like everybody else's story, they like, although tragic and horrific, they have a little bit more like understanding of what happened. Whereas for both of us, we have like almost no understanding of what happened. And never will. Uh, and never will, right? And so to have somebody who like was also there going, yeah, we, we don't know. We have no idea. Was, you know, awful that you have to go through that, but comforting to know that there's somebody else who just also doesn't have answers. Mm-hmm. And that this group, from what we were told, was bigger than any group they had before. <laughs> and I think part of it was they scooped Brian and I in at the very last minute. Because- oh, so it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sessions ran over every time because we were the extra people there. Yeah. Uh, but I think they squeaked us in because our story was so similar to yours. Yeah. And uh, I think Carol, our grief counselor, knew how much of a benefit that would be. Yeah. For- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm knowing the time frame of when everybody's babies was born to like, you know, Helen is at the end of our group. And so I can very like, I see it, right? Like I see you going in to see Carol and her being like, we're just gonna shove you in here, make you fit <laughs> so that you guys can be in the same group. Yeah. And, and I think we, we were quite lucky in that there was very little gap between when Helen was born and when the group started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas I think some folks whose babies were born at the beginning of the summer, at the beginning of August, they had to wait several months before the group started. Yeah. And I'm very grateful to Carol that she didn't make us wait (laughs) next session. To like January. Yeah, you you would have had to wait till the January session, which would have just seemed like such a long amount of time. And going through so many, like, we went through so many big moments while we were in group together right like we went through we had like the baby's due dates came up and then we Mm -hmm. had Christmas and like we had all these big moments that we were having to go through that group kind of like carried us through those moments we were like if we can just get to the next group session we'll be fine as soon as you said I would have had to wait probably till January the first thing that popped into my mind is oh my god I couldn't have survived Christmas right like totally yeah, like how do you get through Christmas without having done group and having 
like all of those resources that we came up with together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how we would have done it. <laughs> yeah. No, we always talk about how, um, like everybody in the group session, it's so great that everyone is sort of around the same time, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, over the court, like in a span of like what, three months or so. Yeah. Two, three, yeah. About three months. And so we, Wise was born August 15th and then group started beginner end of October. Mid, mid October. Mid to late October. <laughs> and so even that, you know. It like, was like a chunk of time. Our, yeah. the, the first month after Eliza was born was like, that's a wash. But then. <laughs> yeah, no idea what happened. And then there's some, you know, that time where we were just kind of waiting around for the group to start. And, yeah. And there were people even before us. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> That's all. Do you want to tell us about Helen? Sure. Um, <laughs> if I can make it through it without tears. Um, Carol tears are okay. has told me that I wear my grief very much on the surface. And so <laughs> I'm quick to cry. Um, but I think but- this is good because I am the like, put it in a box and shove it away and like, let's not acknowledge it. So like, I think it's nice for people mm, to see like- Multiple perspectives. Oh, that there's like another yeah. way you can handle your grief. <laughs> I think the wearing it on the surface thing, I think scares people sometimes. Mm. And so I think a lot of times people are afraid to bring it up around me because I am so quick to tears, but <laughs> because there's tears doesn't mean I don't want to talk about it. Well, exactly, yeah, mm. no. Um, so Helen uh, was born on September 5th at 2.05 p.m. 2019, and we were just on the cusp of the third trimester, so we were one day shy of 28 weeks, and similar to Eliza's story, we I had some unusual sort of pregnancy symptoms the night before and that morning. I was feeling kind of off and starting to feel a little bit crampy, but I had been really uncomfortable through most of my pregnancy and was having some issues with tailbone pain and back pain. And so I thought maybe as I'm getting into the third trimester, I was warned that that some of that might get worse. And so I just attributed it to, to back pain and a progressing pregnancy. This is just what being pregnant is like, right? And when you're pregnant for the first time, you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, is this what it's supposed to feel like? Maybe. (laughs) I had no clue. I had no clue. In hindsight, what, I, what I've been told now is that they were early contractions, but I didn't recognize them as that. Uh, so the, the morning of September 4th, we went into the birthing triage unit because um, I couldn't remember the last time I had felt Helen move. I was kind of panicking, trying to think when the last time was, and I couldn't remember. So we went into the birthing triage unit and um, we had a nurse come in and the first thing that they did was check for the heartbeat and there was not one there and at first we weren't sure what was happening it was kind of all a bit of a blur and she left the room to go get a doctor because I don't think they're allowed to actually tell you what's happening yeah Uh, and she brought a doctor back in to check again and sure enough they brought the picture back up on the ultrasound and he explained it sort of very matter of fact that that black spot in the middle of the ultrasound screen was Helen's heart and it wasn't moving. There was oh no God. Yeah. And as you guys know, in that moment, your world just shatters and falls yeah. apart. And I don't really remember what happened over the next 
couple of minutes, couple of hours, couple of days. I have sort of fragmented memories of, of what transpired, but I do remember that they sent us home with um, some medication, two, two bottles of pills. One pill was the pill that would initiate labor um, I would have to, to deliver Helen. And the other pill, a uh, bottle of pills was uh, for pain and to potentially help me sleep okay. because they weren't sure when I would be able to come back and actually deliver, deliver Helen because the hospital was full. Oh my God. <laughs> so we had to leave the hospital not knowing if it was going to be a day or two days or three days until we'd be able to deliver Helen. And we had no idea how long I would have to continue to walk around with Helen so, inside of me. That like, I think that's probably like the biggest difference in our story is that like we were given the option that night to like, you don't need to leave. If you don't want to leave right now, well, we have a room and you will, you could just spend the night, uh, which I was real tempted to do. <laughs> Actually, I was real tempted to do the C-section that night Mm. and Mike and the doctor basically had to talk me down off that ledge. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but like the idea of just like going home and being like, well, whenever we get a chance, you can come back. Like, what? (laughs) I mean, for us, going home and spending the night was like the most. Like the worst night. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's 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 like horrifying it's the worst thing that could possibly happen right and you're carrying your baby around with you and yeah yeah it's like all over um when when you walk through your door again everything looks different Mm -hmm. right nothing nothing is the same and so everything reminds you of the baby even like things that aren't baby related Yes. Remind you of the baby. You're like, oh, that chair in the living room. Well, I had plans of sitting there and being able to watch TV and hold the baby. And now that's not what that chair means anymore. Exactly. Everything carries meaning and everything, everything is a bit of an emotional trigger all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus I mean, all, all the baby stuff. That plus all the baby things that are just like in your house. <laughs> Right, because by by the end of the second trimester, as you enter your third trimester, I mean you're starting to get yes. ready for the baby to come. Yeah, we had a we hadn't set up the nursery yet, but we had piles of stuff to set up the nursery that were starting to collect in the spare room in our in our apartment. And yeah. all of a sudden, that's just a, you know a giant gut punch when you walk through the front door. I remember the thing that sticks out to me coming like specifically coming home back into the house is. Um, we had all of Eliza's ultrasound pictures all over our, our fridge and like I had to take them down like I couldn't have them there anymore but just taking them down was it, like it was the worst thing that I've done in my life probably. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were in that regard we were very lucky in that well lucky and not lucky um, when we got home we were home for less than an hour before um, I, I started to bleed heavily. I know that's oh, a gosh. podcast based on Leah's history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is very lucky. That's uh, <laughs> great. great news. <laughs> great news. 
but that meant that we had to immediately rush back to the hospital and we were admitted on the spot when we got back to the hospital because they took my blood pressure. It was um, quite terrifyingly high. I had, mm. had this uh, major bleeding event. And um, so they said, we can't send you home. You're going to have to deliver and or stay in the hospital until you deliver. And so we called our parents and um, they were kind of all over the place. All four parents were in four separate areas for some reason that day. So we had to make four separate phone calls. Um, but as soon as they found out, they they hopped in cars and both sets of parents arrived in Ottawa. I have no idea how the timeline unfolded. It's a bit of a blur. But all I know is at one point while we were in the hospital before Helen was born, I said to Ryan, I can't go home to all of that baby stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I assume at some point he texted or phoned his parents somebody. Parents. <laughs> uh, they went to our hospital, went to our apartment before while we were in the hospital and cleared out everything. All of the baby stuff was gone. All of the ultrasound photos were off the fridge. Even the prenatal vitamins from my bathroom cabinet had been removed. Man, they did a thorough sweep. Like that's impressive. <laughs> they did a very thorough sweep. And so I was very grateful uh, for that because they, we didn't have to walk home or walk into the apartment for a second time and have to do all of that ourselves. And to this day, they are all packed in a box somewhere in my parents' house. I have no idea where it is. (laughs) Haven't seen it since. Yeah. That like, I mean, we came home and I think we just like kind of took everything and placed it in the nursery and closed the nursery door and was just like, we'll deal with that later. (laughs) And then eventually I got to the point where I couldn't have the nursery door closed anymore because that was just as much of a reminder as seeing the things. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to pack this up. And so then we packed it up and kind of from the hallway made it look like it was just a room with a chair in it. Yeah, we like our chair room. We kind of pushed like everything baby related to like the side where you couldn't see it from the hallway, and I was like, "Good, okay, that's just a room that has a chair in it. That's fine. That's not weird. Nothing emotionally triggering happened in this space at all. Yeah, no, it's fine. Where we sometimes you could sit there because there's a chair. It's fine. It's a normal room. (laughs) Do whatever you want in there. Yeah, it's fine. In my weird grief brain, it made sense. So we're just going to go with it. Uh, yeah, I'll go with it. The mind is very <laughs> weird things in grief. <laughs> you just let it happen. Okay. So then you were having some bleeding. You got admitted back into the hospital. And then, and then what happened? Well, I mean, so- Helen was born, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were admitted back into the hospital. And from that point forward, again, the timeline is a little hmm. bit blurry for me. I had to continue to take the labor-inducing drug every four hours uh, until labor started. And they were still really concerned about my um, my blood pressure. It was really hot. So they were monitoring my blood pressure every 15 minutes. Hmm. They were concerned for a while about my health. Um, so I remember even trying to, trying to sleep was hard because every 15 minutes... <laughs> the beeper would go off and a nurse would come in and, and monitor my blood pressure. And we, so we spent the night and the next day around 11, about 11 a.m., labor, active labor started. Uh, and thankfully it was relatively quick. 
and Helen was born at 2.05 p.m. on September 5th. And she was beautiful and perfect. Um, I've and seen pictures. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> she had um, beautiful, elegant, long little fingers and long little toes. Um, she had very long legs. I think she might have been tall like her dad. Um, and the, um, the, the labor and delivery nurse and the photographer that we had come in from Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep both commented on the fact that she had the most pronounced and beautiful bow lips that either of them had seen on a, on a newborn infant. So that, that felt pretty special. She was perfect. And yeah, we got to spend 12 hours with her. Um, I think the one thing that they let you do, at least at the hospital where we delivered, which is the same hospital where Eliza was born, they allow you to stay in the hospital as long as you want. They don't rush you out like they normally would. Mm -hmm. um, so after Helen was born, they let us stay as long as we wanted. So we stayed until 2 a.m. with Helen and we got to hold her and spend some time with her and had the family photos taken with, with um, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep and uh, just got to spend our time together as a family of three. Yep. You can edit that part out. The, uh, the, dark part the Sammy, part. the Sammy part? No, it's fine. I like it. <laughs> that is the um, emotional impulse purchase that we got. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. I remember the day you announced um, about Sammy and in group, you. Carol said like oh and Katie and Ryan have like a special announcement and I guess like I mean I wasn't really thinking but my first thought was like oh god they're pregnant <laughs> and, and I was like oh no oh no oh no and then you're like we got a puppy and I was like oh okay that's a lot easier to handle than <laughs> being pregnant Whew. If only the getting pregnant part were that easy, right? <laughs> right, like yeah. But no, we got we got a puppy two months after Helen was born, and um, we were very worried about getting a puppy and what it would mean, and uh, whether or not it was a bad idea for for grief and emotional healing. But Carol, the grief counselor, when we told her, we both expected her to say, "You guys, I don't think that's a great idea." But her first reaction was. Oh my God! Yes, I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> so, and basically the le yes lady. Like whenever you're mm -hmm. like, I want to do this thing, but I think it might not be a great coping me mechanism. She's like, No, do it. Go. Like it's fine. And you're like, Okay, sure. She's <laughs> a big enabler. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> so anytime we're frustrated with the puppy, now we just we blame Carol. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's fair too. I think that's okay. <laughs> Can I ask, you were talking about the, the photos and stuff and spending time with Helen. And we, I mean, we got to do the same thing. We got to spend time with Eliza. We got the photos and everything. But until we were in it and it was happening, we were super, super, super unsure about the whole thing, about like how long we would want to see Eliza, mm. whether or not we would want photos or ever be able to even look at them or anything. Mm. Did you have any kind of experience like that? Or were you just like, yeah, let's get some portraits taken or whatever? <laughs> no, we had a very similar experience. They, I mean, quickly after it happens, you're forced to make a series of decisions that you <laughs> never thought you'd have to make, including 
questions like, um, do you want to name your child? Uh, do you want to see your child? Do you, um, do you, I forget some of the other, like there were medication related questions. There were oh, autopsy questions. Do you mm-hmm. want an autopsy yeah. on your child? Do you want an autopsy on the placenta? All sorts of questions that are impossible to think of in a clear head, <laughs> let alone <laughs> a head that's clouded with intense, intense grief. Um, and so when they first asked us those questions, our immediate response to all of them was, no, we can't. We can't possibly do it. It's just too hard. It's too much. It's too emotional. And then over the series, uh, over the next couple of days, those series of questions, we got to different answers. I think as we processed what was happening and we understood sort of the, the magnitude really of what was happening and sort of the, the permanence of, of what had changed. And um, I remember very vividly at some point, uh, Ryan had gone down to the cafeteria to get food. Um, and I guess on his elevator ride back up to our floor, he had come up with, he had this epiphany in the elevator and he, he stormed into the hospital room really, really upset. And he said, Katie, we have to name her. She's our daughter. She has to have a name. We can't not name her. And as soon as he said that, I said, oh my God, you're right. She has to have a name. (laughs) And so um, Helen is his late grandmother's name. Um, Which I think is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it's excellent. A plus name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She, um, She was the only grandparent Ryan ever knew growing up. Mm. And, and they had a really, really close and special relationship. And so Helen just seemed like the, the perfect choice. And so in that moment, we decided on Helen. And then with the photos, we had the same sort of, of reaction that you guys did. With, how do you even wrap your head around that? And is it, is it morbid? And do we want that? And, you know, for a baby that's born at 28 weeks, the third trimester, I mean, at the end of the second trimester, they're, they're mostly fully formed. The third trimester is about getting fat and cute. <laughs> yeah. so, they're fully formed, but they're not fat and cute like you would expect. They're, they're just not pudgy yet. Like they're just a little slimmer than like you anticipate a baby being. Yeah, they don't have that sort of chubby, cheeky, yeah. born baby look. Yeah. Um, and so, I was, you know, kind of afraid of capturing that. And and would I be, would I want to look at that? Um, but as soon as she was born, I thought, how, how can we not look at that? She's beautiful and she's perfect and she's our daughter. Um, and I am so, so grateful in hindsight that we decided to do it. I think it was with the gentle coaching and encouragement of our labor and delivery nurse. Um, we decided to do it. And then we also had the labor and delivery nurse take some photos of us just on our iPhone while we were waiting for the photographer. Mm-hmm. I'm so, so, so grateful that we, that we have them. And I look at them regularly. Yeah. I just, my only regret is that we don't have more. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think know. that was the best advice that our nurse gave us, which was like, we're going to offer you a lot of things and just say yes to everything and if you leave here and never look at any of it, that's fine. But if you leave here and want it, if you've said no, there's no going back. 
And I was like, uh, uh, okay, yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. So then I just started saying yes to everything. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. We'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Do footprints and handprints and casts of her hands. and Yeah, sure. Do it. And I fully expected, I like had phoned my mom and was like, you're going to have to take the box. I'm going to get a box of stuff and I don't want it in the house and you're going to need to take it. And she was like, okay, yeah, I'll have the box. It's fine. And then we got the box and I like tore it open and looked at everything while we were still like sitting in the hospital. And I was like, well, there we go. Yeah. And then we brought it home and looked at it like every day for yeah, like two <laughs> months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the whole, I mean, everything about the whole situation start to finish is impossible. Like impossible to ask anyone any questions, medical or sentimental well, or <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we had all the same trepidations about all the the whole thing. I, the photos, I think how I much knew time we would want to spend with Eliza. Before going, like, before we went into the hospital, I knew, like, I'm going to have to see her and I'm going to have to hold her. And I didn't know how long I would want that to be. But I remember Mike being a little like on the fence about it the night before we went in. And I was like, no, I'm going to have to. Like, I can't. And, you know, my my mom was telling me like, Leah, you're going to have to. Like, you can't walk away without looking at her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to. And Mike was a little unsure. And then even when the nurse said like, okay, we can bring her in now. We were like, mm, but like, we, we don't want her for that long. <laughs> And then like five hours later, we were like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, it seems totally <laughs> wild in retrospect that, you know, we might not want to spend too much time with her because it would be too hard. Or right. we might not want the photos because it would be too weird, weird and <laughs> icky or something. And, um, and you know, the, that was the most important, those are like the most important hours of my life, right? Yeah. Like, yeah getting to spend that time with Eliza and just be with her and see how perfect she is, obviously. <laughs> uh, she was equally as perfect as Helen, I assume. I've seen pictures. I can also attest to that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Eliza was going to be super tall or mm. a ballerina or... Uh, Unlikely. <laughs> uh, or a basketball player or anything like that. Um, but yeah, she was also perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a it's an impossible situation, start to finish. It truly is. It it truly is. I think, and and you have to make these decisions in this cloud of grief, and they're decisions that you will think about for the rest of your life, and yep. <laughs> to a certain extent, will um, define your ability or the tools you have to have a relationship with your child for the rest of your life. Right. In that moment, you can't possibly wrap your head around the implications of the decisions you're making in that moment. Well, I mean, even the idea, like I remember the day Carol said to me, like, you are forming a relationship with Eliza. And I like, it, it, I was like, excuse me, I'm what? Like, I, <laughs> and then, you know, she's like, well, you're parenting her. You're just parenting her a little bit differently than all of your friends parent their babies. And I was like, I'm what? And like, it really like, but once that idea like sunk in, I was like, oh, okay. And like, I can now see the progression of, I feel like my grief has gotten more manageable 
the stronger my relationship is with Eliza. I think like in the beginning, my grief was like very like chaotic and all over the place because I didn't know, I didn't have a relationship with her. I didn't know how to be sad that she wasn't here because I didn't know who she was. But then you build a relationship and you learn who your child was and you learn how to navigate everything. And then you're like, oh, okay, now I can handle this grief because I know who my child is. That's such a good way to frame it. And I, I completely, completely agree. It was, it was a huge mental shift when (laughs) Carol framed it that way. You are, you are building a relationship with your daughter and you just never expect that that's how you're going to have to build a relationship with her, right? You have to completely Mm -hmm. shift what your definition or reframe what your definition of parenting looks like. And that's, that's hard. And it's a whole, and um, it's, it's a really difficult (laughs) and uh, it it just, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, Mm -hmm. but luckily through the grief counseling, the one-on-one sessions and the peer support group, you know, you, you build your toolbox and (laughs) the bigger your toolbox gets, the better you're able to manage the grief and manage the relationship with your child. Cause Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that you have for the rest of your life. And so you just get, it never goes away. You just get better at managing it as your toolbox gets bigger and more refined. Yeah. Is there anything that you like would have done differently or regret that you like didn't do? Like I regret that I didn't like unfold all of Eliza's blankets and like really look at her in like in like completion, I guess, like look at all of her at once. I, you know, I saw when the photographer unwrapped her blankets and took photos of her legs and her feet. But for the most part, I kept her very wrapped up. So like, that's something I regret not doing. I, I regret the same. I, I made a point throughout the 12 hours of um, unwrapping pieces of her blanket mm. and, and um, trying to get to know her and the entirety of her. But I, I, you're right, I never fully unwrapped the blanket and looked at her head mm-hmm. to toe uh, all at once. And I, I, I do wish I'd done that. I wish I'd taken more pictures of that. I have pictures of her wrapped up and us holding her and pictures of parts of her face or her hands and her feet, but I wish I'd taken a picture of her, all of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, the other big regret I have, and I've talked to Ryan about this, is our parents, after clearing out our apartment of all baby <laughs> came to visit us at the hospital. And it was after Helen was born and they came into the hospital room to see us. And in that moment, for some reason, we decided that Helen would leave the room while they visited. And I don't know why we decided that. I, I think part of it was that we were feeling fiercely, fiercely protective of her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not knowing how people would react to the way she looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we asked the nurse to take her out of the room for, for while the grandparents were visiting. And in hindsight, I regret that. I, mm-hmm. I regret that they didn't get to, to see her and, and hold her and meet her in person. Mm-hmm. Both of our moms met Eliza. They saw her. 
but we had decided that nobody else was going to hold her. <laughs> that we had these limited hours with her and we were going to be greedy and selfish and not share that time. Yeah, that was our overprotectiveness. <laughs> yep, that was our overprotectiveness. Um, so they both, you know, came up beside my hospital bed and like kind of peered over and looked at her. Um, and my mom made a comment afterwards, like, Leah, you like, you had a bit of a death grip on her. Like, you know, you could have let Mike hold her or like, you know, and I was like, no, like, it's fine. <laughs> and I've checked with Mike to make sure that like, I didn't monopolize the time with her. And he says, no, he got, to, he to got clear, enough time. I held her for like hours. So <laughs> <laughs> you made it, you made it sound like you didn't let me hold her. <laughs> It's not the case. Made sure I checked afterwards, being like, "Uh oh, did I really of, like no, not let photos. him have a moment?" We have photo evidence. <laughs> um, but I do wish that you know my sister had came and visited, and I wish that Eliza was in the room for that, and that you know my sister could have seen her. Um, but yeah, I think in that moment, you just you like your mama bear instincts go full force and you just go like nope <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it was mama bear instincts fiercely protective yeah <laughs> and you just go like I'm not I'm not sharing this like I've got such little time and I'm just gonna hoard it all for myself <laughs> yeah that was exactly it <laughs> so what else do we want to touch on here well I know you started something very special recently. Um, well, so Leah and I, we started a podcast because this is how we like to listen to the sound of our own voices. So that's what we've done with our time and our grief and our uh, spreading awareness. Yeah, but you did we something much a microphone, more beneficial. We're talking to a microphone about ourselves for like an hour every week. And that's how we get our things out. But Katie, what have you chosen to do instead? Well, I've chosen to listen to your podcast every week. That's so the I most important thing that you've done. <laughs> Tell us about the second most important thing. So we have started or have started uh, a not-for-profit in Helen's honor called Helen's Place. And it's something that has been sort of rolling around in my brain since um, not since immediately after Helen was born. It was pretty foggy up there for a very long time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> but as uh, the, the fog of grief started to clear a little bit, I was just really desperate to do something in my daughter's name that would make people remember her. I mm -hmm. was um, I was really worried about people forgetting that she existed and um, her name gradually being being spoken less. Um, and I wanted to make sure that didn't happen. And I wanted to make sure that her, her name and her legacy um, meant something to a lot of people um, and not just our family. And so um, we've started Helen's Place and it's, um, it's a work in progress, um, but we're not gonna let perfection be the enemy of good <laughs> or the enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. um, and we launched it as uh, Helen's first birthday present. It was something we did on September 5th of this year, 2020. And it was our gift to her, our first birthday gift to her. And it's something that we're planning to grow over time. 
So right now it is um, primarily a fundraising mechanism where we're generating, uh, generating funds that we will donate to organizations that have had a big impact on our experience. And the two ones that we're focusing on are the Roger Nielsen House, which is where we met Lee and Mike Liza, and they've provided so, so much beneficial counseling uh, to us. And then now I lay me down to sleep. And they're the ones that, that took the photographs of our little family of three. And so that's phase one. We want to make large sum donations to these organizations in Helen's name. So Helen is essentially donating to these organizations. <laughs> I love it. And then over time, what we'd like to do is actually build a physical environment. And so we, we're in Ottawa right now um, because of, of professional reasons, um, but home for both my husband and I is in Toronto. And what we've learned through conversations with our grief counselor and uh, people in the grief community is that there are certain services that exist in Toronto, but nothing quite like the Roger Nielsen House with their right. focused perinatal and infant loss community and support group and all of the events that surround it. And so what we're hoping to do is build Helen's Place, a physical Helen's Place in Toronto that can provide the same sort of support programming, the same sort of sort of uh, support groups and grief counseling, uh, memorial events where people's uh, children's names can be spoken out loud and um, included in large permanent art installations so that you can see your child's name somewhere, um, fundraising events and galas uh, so that we can provide that same sort of community support to families in the greater Toronto area. Um, other other components of it are being able to donate scrapbooking materials and memory mm -hmm. box materials to hospitals in the GTA because yep. that we've talked about the plaster casts and those memory boxes and those scrapbook pages with their baby's details on them. Those are yeah. an, another really important part of our memories of Helen and we want to make sure that all families who have lost a child that way have have those memories to take home with them. And then also yeah. donating teddy bears to mm. all of the labor and delivery units. Um, we were sent home from, from our hospital with a teddy bear named Spencer. <laughs> and, um, I, apparently they send many families home with teddy bears because um, leaving the hospital with empty arms is just really, really hard to do. And so they don't want you to leave with empty arms. And so our goal is to make sure that no family in the greater Toronto area leaves the hospital with empty arms that everyone has a teddy bear. So this is this is what we're hoping to do. We're still early stages. Uh, we still need a detailed business plan. We have a phased approach that we've mapped out for how we're going to build out Helen's Place. Um, but we've put the vision out there and we've let people know what we're trying to build. And Amazing. Um, people have been really supportive really, really supportive. And in the, I guess it's been a month and a bit since we've launched, we've raised $30,000, which is oh, incredible. Amazing. <laughs> really, really amazing and humbling. Wow. So, I, so great. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. <laughs> I wish I'd thought of it. We just <laughs> thought of the podcast. And that's it. Um, that's so awesome. Yeah. It's, very cool. And I'm excited to 
be involved somehow at some point yeah. in Helen's place. We would, we would love that. I'm like okay. excited for the physical building and to be able to like walk into it and be okay. like, might be a while. That's fine. I can rush. still be excited about oh the future. God. Okay. <laughs> my gosh, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. Let me be excited about something. Like, okay. Yeah, it's a bit awkward to talk about building a physical community space. <laughs> right. And we're not allowed to do that right now. <laughs> Maybe we're like, um, Katie, like how. <laughs> And you're like, well, one day, I promise, we'll right. be allowed to be in a, in the same building as other people who totally, aren't in our family. Yeah. Totally unrelated. <laughs> We're setting up Eliza's place. It's a Discord <laughs> server. <laughs> Everyone can come hang out. There's going to be audio chats. There's going to be video chats. Um, so we, uh, to do a bit of a shameless plug, we have a website. Yeah. Please. Do it. Plug away. Yeah. W- what, tell us about all the plugs. <laughs> it is uh, www.helensplace.ca and on the website we outline the different phases of our plan what the big vision is and the big vision is written out much more articulately than I just described talking through it <laughs> uh, we have uh, links to a bunch of different support resources that have been helpful in our journey including baby quest podcast <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right we had told me it was on there <laughs> on there Very nice thank and, you and we have uh, the opportunity uh, to donate in a number of different ways so you can donate online and then we also have um, an early excerpt of a memoir that i've started to write called mm-hmm. pieces of me pieces of helen uh, a collection of a mother's collection of memories for her stillborn daughter and so i've uh. i've put an excerpt up there it's a project, another project I've been working on as sort of an outlet for for my grief, um, writing Helen's story partially so I don't forget and the memories never fade, and then partially in the hopes that it will help other people in the way that reading other people's memoirs have really helped me. Mm-hmm. So that's all online. And then we also have um, Instagram, which is at Helen's Place Canada, and Facebook is Helen's Place. And for the month of October, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, we're doing a social media campaign where we're posting daily quotes or thoughts or pieces of advice or guidance for people who are either navigating the grief journey themselves or are helping support other people as they navigate theirs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not super on the Facebook. I'm not super on anything <laughs> anymore, but I have been following Social along. media is bad for Mike's brain. I mean, all social media, except for Helen's place, is poison. <laughs> Delete all your accounts. But but except for the one where you follow Helen's place, uh, the Instagram is really good. All the, yeah. I like all the little quotes, and they all look very nice. And they're all like, oh, yeah, those are nice. I feel those things. Yep. It's good. Everyone go. Was the, is the Instagram? It's Helen's place Canada? At Helen's place Canada, because Helen at Helen's place was taken. The different Helen. It's... Rude. It's terrible, Helen. <laughs> Our place is better than her place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. It's fine. <laughs> um, baby Quest, just in general, it was taken everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> baby Quest, like, you can't have that as an account name. It's already something else. It's not original. <laughs> we did a bad job picking a podcast name. No. <laughs> There's no Baby Quest podcast. We're the only Baby Quest podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it was easy to find on the app store or the podcast store, wherever. Oh, that's good. Yeah, see, I'm super technically savvy on that. So wherever I get my podcast, it's easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
that's what we want. We want people to listen wherever they listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, but speaking of podcasts, all of the links to all the things that were just mentioned, or at least most of the links, are in the podcast description. In the notes. Mm-hmm. So if you like open up your podcast, if you look at your phone right now <laughs> and you press, I don't know, it's probably like three dots or something <laughs> or details, something like that. Uh, there will be links to all kinds of stuff yeah. about Helen's place. So don't try and like write everything down as we're talking. They Well, it's too late. They already wrote it all down. Oh, okay. True. They've made, they've <laughs> crashed their cars trying to write notes <laughs> on pen and paper listening on their steering wheel yeah Yeah. great (laughs) should have put a disclaimer at the start of this yeah podcast is there anything we forgot to talk about Mm. i mean we're gonna have you back on again for more more episodes (laughs) in the future so like if there are big topics you want to discuss please i mean how did you come up with the idea like i thought i was being super like i was like man i'm joining the butterfly run committee look at me doing something with myself and then you go off and like create a nonprofit, and i was like oh okay well (laughs) no the they she came up with the idea because she's just better than us (laughs) (laughs) they're better people than we are (laughs) yeah i mean that's probably part of it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we were like, how can I get more attention for me? How can I get people listening to what I think and my ideas? <laughs> and Katie's like, how can I help more people? Um, see, we forgot how about I, the helping. It's like, how can I give back and help versus how can how come more people aren't thinking about me all the time, <laughs> once a week at least? Okay, so how did you come up with this idea? Because, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. Um, So it started it started small. It Mm -hmm. started, uh, we attended, uh, by we, I mean uh, myself and another mom Mm -hmm. from our peer support group attended a fundraising event for the Roger. Oh yes. So we went to Maddie's gala. It's an annual gala every year and shameless plug for Maddie's gala, even though I have no affiliation, it's a great event. (laughs) So it's a lot of fun and raises money for the Roger Nielsen house. And I walked away thinking, well, that, that's really special. I wonder if in a couple of years I could do something like Helen's Gala and raise money for the Roger Nielsen House as some way of, of giving back and building Helen's legacy. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of rolled this idea around in my head for a while. And then after Christmas, I was visiting my parents uh, down south in the winter and I was on a walk with my dad. And I started to talk about this idea of potentially doing a fundraising event mm-hmm. for, uh, for Roger Nielsen House in Helen's name. And um, <laughs> my mom often accuses my dad and I of having um, big ideas <laughs> and our head in the clouds <laughs> and egging each other on. And um, so, and telling my dad this idea, he, he said, well, couldn't you do more? <laughs> he said, mm-hmm. have okay, you dad, thanks. <laughs> and have you ever thought about doing something like the Roger Nielsen house yourself and um, building, building what you had in, in Ottawa um, somewhere else or, or replicating that experience? And I thought, well, that seems crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dad, like Roger Nielsen house is an extension of Chio, which is like, you know, a world-renowned hospital, and you want me to just, like, 
recreate that, no big deal. <laughs> well, and also the Roger Nielsen house is uh, palliative care. And, yeah, like uh, they, are, they are so many things besides just, you know, grief groups, right? Like they, they provide so much. <laughs> but, but when I thought about it, if I carved out all of the other things that I don't personally know anything about mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not equipped or, or experienced in those areas and I focus on the thing that I have personal experience with, which is this perinatal and infant loss and the support groups and the community that they've created there, is that something that is repeatable or buildable some, somewhere else? And so that idea started to roll around in my brain a little bit. And um, I started to put pen to paper and map out what that would look like. And that's how Helen's Place was born. And the hope is that someday we will have a Helen's Gala, but it will be a fundraising event for Helen's Place. And Amazing. I've spoken to Carol, our grief counselor, and she's connected with me with a a number of different people in Ottawa and Toronto to start having conversations about what it takes to build something like this. Because the idea is not that I would provide programming myself. I've obviously not equipped to do that, but um, how do I have the right conversations and connect with the right people and the right partnerships that we can bring in that expertise and build something like the Roger Nielsen house, but, mm-hmm. but Toronto. And so that, and that's the goal. So it, it started with a small idea and a seed that grew. And then um, my dad dumped a bunch of fertilizer on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, it's a great idea. And I mean, it's surprising that Toronto doesn't have something like that already. Right. Like, that a city that big doesn't have something like this. Well, they have, um, they have the pale network, the pregnancy and infant Mm -hmm. loss network for Sunnybrook hospital. And they have pockets of grief counseling and grief support and that's available. Um, but they don't have this sort of community hub or this community program, um, that is a centralized area to to provide this kind of service and what was interesting about for me anyways is that what was most helpful as we were navigating our grief journey was sort of the physicality of a lot of the objects or the spaces we interacted with I mean we've talked Mm -hmm. about the photographs and the plaster casts and the memory boxes and the teddy bear those are all physical objects. Mm -hmm. I think you guys have talked a little bit about the Roger Nielsen house in the space, but what was really compelling to me is that the space where we had our group counseling was not a clinical environment. You weren't Mm. walking into a hospital. You were walking into what felt like somebody's living room and it was furnished that way. And it had this beautiful stone fireplace where there was a mantle that was displaying all of the photos of our of our babies up there mm-hmm. when we were in the room. And I think that physical space outside of a clinical environment contributed so much to creating a feeling of comfort and safety and like you were with friends where you mm-hmm. were really compelled to, to share very personal information, <laughs> and personal stories, um, but also create these relationships. and you know, laugh sometimes and tell Joe, it just created a really comfortable environment yeah. that 
that piece of it doesn't doesn't exist in the same way in Toronto. So the hope is that we can we can build it. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> Heroes. Um, so does that also mean the butterfly run is going to come to Toronto? That, I, yeah, that is part of the goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yay. for anyone who's listening who would like to you know, participate in building a butterfly run in Toronto for Helen's place. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> if you need a so-so social media coordinator. Hey, I'm like a pretty okay social media If you media need a pretty okay <laughs> experienced butterfly social media <laughs> coordinator what was your title communication director (laughs) or something uh maybe yeah you're a communication your title was communications something all right maybe i don't know that doesn't matter i run the social media that is a hard job i have i have learned in my attempts to try to do that for helen's place in october Uh, i know nothing (laughs) that is a very hard job (laughs) um Yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of make sure you have all your thoughts in order before you go and try and hit post. Right. Mm. I found writing everything out in a like document, like a Word doc first is better than just being like, I'm just going to type this into the tiny Instagram box and hope for the best. (laughs) That's not the best way to do it. Also, I fought in the beginning a lot with Instagram and like formatting, but I got there. I learned that the typing out in advance is how you get the spaces and paragraphs in Instagram. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Instagram doesn't like the uh, return button very much. Yeah. It just ignores that if you type it out in the box. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fun. So that's your tip of the week. And educational. Yeah, yeah. We provide all sorts of things on this podcast. <laughs> Katie, will you come back on the podcast someday and talk to us some more, please? Because this has been very good. Yes, I would love to. Okay. And I think you. you did a very good job. And there is like very few sniffles that Mike is gonna have to edit out. Oh my god. Thank you so much for like sharing Helen's story with us and everyone and all that. It was really it's so good. It's I don't know. I enjoy hearing it again. Yeah. And it was so nice that you were able to bring that to our stupid podcast. No, please don't call it a stupid podcast. <laughs> our amazing it. podcast. I have to tell you, I listen to it while I walk the dog every week. Oh. Um, it always makes me smile. So I think my neighbors think I'm a little bit nutty because I'm <laughs> walking with this big smile on my face. <laughs> Good. Well, glad we could do that for you. You know, you have to be like, it's the podcast. I'm good. And they're going to be like, uh-huh. All right. I don't know if that would help or like hinder. I mean, it's just as bad as when I go out for a walk and I start like cackling while I'm walking because I'm listening to whatever podcast I'm listening to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, there's me just laughing to myself. So I mean, it, smiling slightly better. We all wear masks now. It's fine. <laughs> Thankfully, I listened to the podcast, the, the second podcast where you were telling Eliza's story, where um, there were a lot of tears. And thankfully, I was um, in the, at the cottage in a remote area. So <laughs> <laughs> there was nobody around. Because so, that point, I was sobbing and walking the dog, not laughing. And okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we've had a lot of fun. 
go follow all the Helen's Play stuff and check out the website. Uh, it's a very good website and you mm -hmm. can read the expert, the, the expert of the memoir. Uh, Katie is the expert of the memoir. Well, so, I mean, fair. Yeah. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, it's all in your podcast description. And if for some reason you want to follow Baby Quest on the internet, Baby Quest Cast is Twitter. Baby Quest Pod is Instagram. Is the Instagram. While you're while you're following Helen's place, you can just you know you can follow that too if you feel like it. Um, if you, if you had to pick one, just you can follow Helen's just place. Just follow better. Helen's place. Great content <laughs> all month of October and beyond probably. Well, I'm uh, pretty exhausted after October. <laughs> just follow october and then check back in next october maybe for more content yeah so i think that's it. it we did it great thank you katie thank you so much this was super fun it was fun i enjoyed it it was fun all right i love you bye Mwah.